NEC. Happy 2020 and happy Black History Month, everyone. Um, it's been a while since we've done one of these, but I thought it would be really good to get back in the swing with the new start of the year. Um, if you've been following me on Twitter, you might have seen me talk about how I wish that as a fandom, we could get a little more organized around Prince and seeing different fandoms, whether it's like the K-pop world or the Beyonce world, they tend to kind of um, just have these organized um, ways of responding to their artists or supporting their artists in the way that I don't really see for Prince. And so I wanted to reach outside of our fandom and talk to someone who has a similar kind of artist they're supporting in that the height of their popularity was in the 80s. They're around the same age. They know each other. And if you've seen the show art, you know who I'm talking about. So let's be nice, everyone. <laughs> but today I want to talk to someone from the MJ fandom. So um, I do want to say that, you know, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan as well. My first concert was a bad tour and it's like a, a, a parallel thing. Of course, I decided to, you know, promote Prince because he needs more support, I feel like. And so today we're going to get into how um, the MJ fandom supports him and maybe some lessons that we can take as someone who um, supporting someone who has passed away and making sure that their legacy stays in the forefront of people's mind. So our guest today is MJ Fangirl. Hello, MJ Fangirl. Hello, darling Nisi. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm getting ready for the Super Bowl festivities and all that. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I should probably watch that. Okay, so <laughs> we'll get into our questions here. So first question for you, how did you first become a fan of Michael? So I grew up in a family in a household that listened to a lot of Michael Jackson, but I was watching The American Dream. I had to be like about 10 or 11 years old and I was watching the American Dream miniseries movie and um, there was a scene where Michael Jackson was singing the song Human Nature and I don't know that that moment always sticks out in my mind but that's the moment that I became a fan and I just from that moment I just became kind of obsessed with like trying to learn all his music and learn things about him so I would say you know the tender years, younger years. Mm -hmm. I do remember that when it came on TV because um, we watched it like every weekend because we recorded it on VHS and got the soundtrack and everything like that. And it seemed to be a pretty good depiction at that time of his family. And so no one really had a problem with it. Yeah, no, I think I love that movie. I'll still watch it today. I think it's one of the best um, biopics mm -hmm. of all time. But, you know, it does take a large chunk out of the day. So Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I used to always like, quote it and be like, I don't want you no more. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So um, when you were first, you know, getting into him, how did you find out more about him? Um, well, I first found out about Michael Jackson on uh, just from asking family members, because like I said, I was born in the late 80s and a lot of my family members knew uh, a lot about him. So those were great resources for me. But then I also turned to online. Um, I joined Michael Jackson AOL chat room uh, as soon as I had access to uh, America Online. And then I actually started uh, browsing forums. Uh, there were a lot of forums back in the day. The one I joined was called MJJ Forum. And that was where I could connect with fans and learn about unreleased songs and uh, learn about all different projects that, you know, I would have never known without that. Mm. 
Okay, so that's similar to ours. We have Prince.org. That's still around now, as well as Housequake. That doesn't exist in its original form, but was also a message board. But there are definitely AOL boards and chats and news groups from yesteryear. And of course, NPG Music Club, which was official from Prince. Um, So when did you decide to do your YouTube page and blog? Uh, I decided to actually start the blog in 2011. It was about two years after Michael Jackson's passing. And uh, I just started to realize, you know, it was a strange reality not to have him around anymore. And I was thinking, hey, how am I going to remember all these like special moments and and parts of, you know, not only my history, but, you know, just parts of the fandom I didn't want to forget. So I thought it would be a great idea to uh, write some of that stuff down. And I really started ramping it up um, in around 2017, 18. And then I realized, well, people are not reading and connecting as much with me as I'd like. So that's when I decided to jump on YouTube. Okay. And so like, what's your mission in championing Michael's legacy through your outlets? Uh, Well, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to start the uh, MJ Fangirl brand was because I felt like a lot of the conversation about Michael Jackson and the fan community was a lot of the same. Uh, you know, we've had our battles to go up against. You know, Michael Jackson had a lot of different uh, things that he went through during his career. And I feel like sometimes uh, things like allegations or controversies overshadow his actual music and his art and the legacy that he left. And uh, I thought that it would be a great way to honor him to, to just actually go back and visit, revisit those things. Mm, I, I agree with that. Um, I guess on the Prince side, we always have to battle Purple Rain. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always like, I think that like for the last couple of weeks, especially with all the Grammy stuff happening, that's been my biggest. I shouldn't have been upset. I know it always happens, but it's like there was music after the 80s and there's so much good music after the 80s that always gets lost. And if you keep putting out the same big Prince things as being Purple Rain and Kiss and all that other stuff, it doesn't give people opportunity to find a new gateway in if that style of music doesn't resonate. And he did so many different styles. And so I'm kind of the same, like before Prince passed, I kept to myself, I was like a lone wolf about it um, because it seemed so personal, you know? And then when he passed, it's like, oh no, so now I don't have him anymore. Are there people like me out there? And then I knew about all the fan things that were going on, but like you, it's like, these are conversations that are always repeated. Can we talk about his heritage as a black person in America? Can we talk about how... A lot of people say he went away in the 90s, but he was literally everywhere in black media in the 90s. So he didn't really go away for us. And um, just like, can we can we get dig a little deeper and get into the music that isn't always talked about? It's like, can we can we shift the narrative to not regurgitate what we already know? And so that's kind of been my my drive for Darling Nisi, in addition to everybody feeling so connected to this artist to think about why you're connected to the artist. It's like, what is it that is um that he activates for you that makes you feel so close to him and how much of that is about you and how much of that is about him. So right. I kind of like throwing all that into the mix and kind of making people examine their biases and things like that. I think that's really great. Actually, I wish we had more of that in the in the Michael fan community. <laughs> but you guys have also some things that we don't have to do. Because I was looking at your YouTube page and I see that you guys can le- use like clips and his music and stuff in the videos? Um, you know what we do? Uh, 
I know that, so like you're allowed to use um, his music, but it will be claimed by the copyright. Um, it, it's not going to be a strike or the video won't come down, but it's just that um, Sony or whoever owns the music, I think it's Sony, um, will claim uh, the, the song. So they'll put ads on the video. Okay. Okay. I know that wasn't or for us they used to take them down and now they you know they monetize it but what about twitter are you guys able to post clips over there twitter yes we can but i know there were some big accounts like there's an account called mj legion and they had a lot of their clips being taken down um so i don't know how that's determined yeah it's like even in the last week or two or three um, I think Universal owns Prince's music publishing. So they would do huge takedowns of things that mention Kiss or like the more popular songs. And okay. they would happen every couple of months where a bunch of people would get strikes. Like I got strikes in the last round. I got like four strikes. I was like, no, because I think they ban at six. So you had to like delete your videos and now all my threads are broken. But it's fine. Find another way. <laughs> um but okay, so there's one thing that happens a lot in our Prince fandom um, when it comes to people's ages. Because he was an older artist and he was mostly known in the 80s, whenever I would go to Prince parties, they'd like, and I'm 34, and they'd be like, what do you know about Prince? I'm like, he literally, like, even when he was here, it's like, he literally put out an album like last week. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, if you kept up with him, <laughs> you know a lot. But do you guys have that on your side? Because I noticed there are a lot, a lot of younger, Prince, uh, not Prince, Michael fans that are supporting him as well. There is that's huge in the Michael Jackson fan community. Um, and I'm around your age. I'm 32. And I get it a lot. Even on my YouTube comments, sometimes people are like, Oh, you never understand Michael or imagine having to go back and watch everything on YouTube and not have it experienced it really. So that is a big thing. Um, and we actually in the MJ fandom, we have a lot of like, young, young, like teenagers that are basically making up a a large uh, percentage of our fandom now. So um, I think, though, that like Michael Jackson has always appealed to all ages. Mm -hmm. I feel like in some way he almost was like this magical figure, you know, not to to like um, make him to dehumanize him. But in a way, he was kind of larger than life. And I think a lot of... um, his appeal uh, to kids is is that kind of like that magic. So that's why I think there's such a big difference in the ages. Mm. So you think that it's more? Hmm. I guess the, I guess the Prince magic is a little bit different in that he everybody thinks he's like a legend and he's you know really cool and he has like the swag and he's sexy, but. For the general population, they don't necessarily understand what's behind that. Like, um, if you if you see, I don't know, like Purple, no, like 1999, and everyone's like, oh, he's so sexy, or just later where he literally has songs called Sexy MF, or he walks out at a award ceremony and everyone's like, oh my god. But it's like, but why do you react that way to him other than him just being cool? Like, especially since a lot of people don't even know his discography and there has to be, you know, something behind that, that really resonates with people in a deeper level. And I guess for the younger folks, because he has so much music and he kept it off of all the streaming services for so long besides title, it was harder to find him, his music. And then if you were wanting to buy it, it's extremely expensive. Like even now, some of his albums cost $300 just to get oh a copy gosh. of it. Yeah, because they haven't released it again yet. And so we have like this rift where the older people are like, like you said, oh, it must suck to, you know, 
have to watch it all on YouTube or we were there in person or every time an anniversary an event comes up, someone's like, I was there. <laughs> it's like, OK, but every year you say that. But it's like some people weren't born until, you know, a lot of things haven't already happened. Some people discovered him in like 2010 because they were like really young around that time. And I, I, I just kind of wish that we were a little bit more welcoming to the younger folks. And then um, less kind of, well, you weren't there and you don't understand. I'm like, well, if you picked him up when you were 11, even though that might have been a little bit traumatic, <laughs> what he was singing when they were 11, why can't another 11-year-old pick him up in the same way? I totally agree. And I think that's part of what makes Michael Jackson and Prince legends in that way because they will continue their legacy continues to live on through the art because it's always going to be something that's going to speak to for future generations and i think that's a beautiful thing as as opposed to it being something that's taboo oh you weren't around well because of their art we didn't have to be the magic lives on exactly okay so um so how did the fandom kind of respond after Michael passed away? Was it a big, oh my gosh, I forgot about all this stuff that he did? Or is it like a nostalgia, oh my gosh, this person I grew up with isn't here anymore? Or can can you kind of take us through that? Yes. Well, um, so my experience was, I think, um, a little bit unique in that, you know, I was a fan, of course, since I was younger. I was a huge fan around like the Invincible era, the early 2000s. And then after... I would say around 2005, my fandom was always in the background. You know, I still had the posters up in my room and everything, but it kind of tapered off just because Michael Jackson wasn't really too much in the public eye around then. Um, and I think a lot of people were like that, you know, after his uh, last trial, um, they kind of were like, all right, you know, let's just chill and let's live, let Michael live his life. And then when he passed away, it was kind of like we were kind of almost catapulted back into the the Michael Jackson world, so to speak. And I think that the way that we responded, I mean, I think a lot of fans came together in a way that we hadn't before, um, just to remember all of the good times. And uh, the sad part about this was that there was so much, um, uh, con not controversy, but I guess so much surrounding his death that was kind of, you know, people didn't know what to believe or where to turn. So I think... Unfortunately, rather than just focusing on his art, I think that it just put us into like fight mode, you know, with what happened to Michael, who did this to Michael. A lot of people were mad at the record label. A lot of people were mad at um, his family and people who were in the house at the time. So I think everybody reacted a little bit differently. Mm, it's exactly the same with us as well. <laughs> wow. it, it's 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 a lot of. <sighs> They're the people who stayed with him to the end. And there's a rift between those people and the people who came on after. I think the derogatory term is 21sters, April 21sters. Mm -hmm. And then there's, of course, a huge controversy over how Prince passed and um, how long that was going on. Or did people around him kill him? Was it WB? Because he just gotten his master's back in 2013 or so. Um, and then the influx of people who kind of attached his passing to kind of a death of their own dreams and stuff as children. Cause they had followed him so much when they were kids, like back in the eighties and you just, Prince, you feel like people like that will always be around. Right. Yes. Because yes. they're more than human. And then when they pass, it kind of makes you 
think about your own mortality in a way that's very scary. <laughs> I think that was it for a lot of people as well. To this day, I still see people like wearing Prince shirts every day. I do too. But, you know, like at home, mm-hmm. I don't try to do it too much outside because, you know, I'm a, a whole person by myself. But right. it's people kind of have adopted it as a religion and really like dug into listening to Prince every day and all the other stuff, which I'm always like. And one thing I'm going to do this year for at least the Darling Nisi stuff is to dig into why people connect that way and kind of, you know, heal some of that. But yeah. but it's really interesting how we responded the same way as well. And um, especially because I guess our people are WB. I guess you guys have Sony that you're against or something. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And yeah. then we have Sony now, but they're just distributors rather than um, the publishing folks. But yeah, it's it's really interesting how that parallels. Yeah, I um, I was very... I was one of those people that when Michael passed, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So much of my identity is like the the Michael Jackson fan that everybody knows, you know? Um, so that was that. I just wanted to say that I can identify with that. Yeah. So estates. <laughs> There's always fans versus the estate and blaming the estate for everything and everything like that. So how is that with you guys? Oh, it's, you know what? It's on either end of the spectrum. Either people really hate the estate or they really love them. (laughs) Um, I, you know, there are people that'll go out and they'll buy everything that is put out there. Um, You know, there've been a lot of re-releases, a lot of different projects released by the estate since Michael passed away. And some people are like all about it, but there are, you know, and it's interesting because most of the very, um, accessible and visible fan clubs and fan influencers, if I should say that, are very anti-estate, which I don't I don't know if I really understand it. I mean, I do understand where they're coming from. In a way, I understand their 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 argument, but I think it's kind of counterproductive. Um, but long story short, they lie on either end of the spectrum and me myself, I'm neutral. Whatever comes out that's pro Michael Jackson, that's that's really Michael, that's just doing what it does to spread his music and his legacy throughout, I'm for. Mm. So actually I wanted to dig into something you just said. You said fan clubs. Can you talk a little bit more about the fan clubs? Yes. Well, so there are fan clubs, you know, there are, I'll say this, um, maybe I should have used the word just uh, fan communities because there are more like just these formed groups. They're not so much as like the official official clubs in that they actually have like re- in real life meetings. Um, but a lot of those bigger fan communities, like I don't want to go out and name people or anything, <laughs> um, but some of those fan organizations will go out and they'll talk about Michael's music here and there, but they're mostly focused on anti-estate propaganda and why we should hate the estate and all the things that are going wrong with the estate. Interesting. And did they exist before Michael passed? Um, some of them did, yes. Some of them did, um, but, you know, with anything, I think... Again, I was kind of on the outskirts of the community a little bit before Michael Jackson passed away. I was more just enjoying him because by that time, all a lot of my close friends were just fans. So I was enjoying him kind of offline more than anything. So most of them I know uh, were uh, were around, but there are a lot of new ones as well. 
Okay. And are they, do they have like websites or is it like a, I'm asking these because I'm thinking about the Prince ones, or is it like a Facebook group or message boards, things like that? Uh, most of it is either Facebook groups or Twitter accounts. Twitter's like really big in the Michael Jackson fan community. Uh, I don't know how that came to be, but it's just um, the people on Twitter have a lot of influence, I notice. Um, so, yeah. And then when you say influence, do you mean like on the fandom or on things that happen with the estate? Uh, on the fandom, like pe- it's kind of almost like a group think situation. I feel looking at it from the outside like, OK, this fan organization says that, you know, we shouldn't support this new T-shirt that came out because it features something from the This Is It movie. And This Is It is is the movie that came out shortly after he died. You know, he was preparing for those concerts. Right. So a lot of people feel like, well, Sony killed him. This was a conspiracy from Sony, and we don't want to see anything with This Is It on it, mm-hmm. which I I get. But at the same time, I also recognize that there are people that discovered Michael Jackson through This Is It or through things like, you know, posthumous... Um, projects. So I don't ever want anyone to feel excluded or feel like they're less of a fan because, hey, maybe they they discovered him after the fact and this is it. It has some significance to them. It's still Michael. Yeah, that's same. Okay, so the reason why I went down that thread, we don't have an official club anymore, which was NPG Music Club and everybody wants that. But um, we do have the fan communities that have been around for a while and they tend to not necessarily be negative, but they will call out something that they don't think Prince would want. It, it's it's the phrase, he wouldn't have wanted this. Yeah. And, and it's like, <laughs> as much as Prince changed his mind about everything, how can we really say? Because there are people who are like, oh my gosh, his Capital One commercial with Let's Go Crazy, he never would have wanted this. And because they forgot that he did a Verizon wireless commercial for a phone. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe in during the time that he they weren't paying attention or that he opened the Super Bowl with like a music video back in the 90s or that he did like an NBA promo. I'm like, it happened throughout his career. It's right. okay. And then like you said, like if people discover a song through a commercial or however, that's not, it's not for us. It's to, you know, bring more people to the fandom or, you know, honestly spend more money, but, or gain more money, but you need money to make money, right? So... I totally agree with that. And um, I get the this is it thing, too, because I, I did go see it. So I was just like, well, I'm just curious. Let me let me look. But I, I'm not like super hooked into Michael the way I am for Prince. So it didn't bother me quite as much. But um, definitely feel you on the Sony thing as well. There's like this whole protesting that happened by some by a, a fan group. And they were protesting and they had these. Um, signs that said WBFU on them and it's just like this whole conspiracy that WB killed Prince and then some other folks that are putting together documentaries based on stuff that came out from the investigations and it's just like I I I rather focus on the music (laughs) right and that legacy and his work ethic because that's more useful because I I personally feel like that's none of my business right but um yeah and I just wanted to add some because I, I left out a very important fact that might have something to have some have hold some weight here as to why a lot of people dislike Sony. So Michael Jackson came out against Sony um, around the Invincible era when they didn't promote his album like he thought that they should have. And he thought it was kind of like conspiracy. So a lot of fans got behind that sentiment and stuck with it. But also, so the estate on his first um, album that came out posthumously 
there were songs that were not him. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable, probably to some, but there were songs that were contributed, you know, they were given to the folks at the estate, and I guess they vetted them, and they vetted them incorrectly, and, you know, they were not him. So uh, a lot of those fan organizations believe that no, we shouldn't support the estate unless they issue a formal apology mm. and, you know, retract the entire album, which to me, I don't think they need to do just because, I mean, there are seven or eight other tracks that are Michael. Um, and they're not going to. I mean, this is a big corporation. They're not going to do that. I think the best we can do is just move forward with, with what we have, unfortunately. Mm, similar thing on our side. Prince battled with WB really from the end of the 80s until he stepped away from them in the 90s. That whole slave thing kind of kicked off when... He felt they didn't promote what's known as his Love Symbol album that was released in 92. Uh, he'd gotten like a $100 million deal and was ready to release all the things. And WB was afraid he'd flood the market or even as much said that they owned everything he did. And he resented that a lot. And hence the slave on his cheek, though he was emancipated, as it were, in 96, hence his album, you know, or he had an album called Emancipation. And he did kind of go back to them um, for two albums in 2014 as well, but just as distributors. But the whole thing with Prince, he always said, if you don't own your masters, then your masters own you. <laughs> and it was a, thing, a big thing he championed, especially for black artists to keep ownership of their own music. But um, yeah, so it's always been kind of like contentious with the record industry and Prince. And then, um, thankfully, we haven't had anything like them really trying to release anything that Prince hadn't recorded at some point after he passed. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the post releases are either reissues or just pulling things from his vault and being cleaned up by um, the engineers. There was one song that kind of combined things in a way, but it was still Prince's voice and it was still a track that wasn't used on a song. So it wasn't like someone else singing. But I think that would be the only thing that would make me really upset. <laughs> like you've got yeah. literally thousands of songs in the vault. Why is someone else singing his music? Right. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, I agree. It's 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 upsetting. I just feel like all right, I feel like at some point we almost in my opinion, sometimes the fandom loses its way in like we're only talking like so let's say a new fan discovered Michael tomorrow and they went on and they looked and all that's being discussed are controversies and like songs that are not mm -hmm. his exactly who's left to talk about Billy Jean anymore who's right. left to talk about Thriller or the millions of other songs so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I, I totally agree with that and I was just tweeting the other day I'm like I hope one day people know Prince more than his mu by his music than his persona yes um Okay. <laughs> so but, but let me clarify something right quick. So when you're talking about Sony in regard to Michael Jackson, what is their involvement with his um, music? Um, so Sony are Sony basic. So Michael Jackson's estate um, has all his publishing, but Sony are the people who, you know, I guess own, you know what? I'm not even sure if I have the exact terminology down because I know the Michael Jackson estate owns his publishing. That's for sure. But they're the ones that, I guess, distribute the music. They're his record label. Okay. So for us, we have... my uh, Prince owns his publishing, his estate does, and it's distributed through WB for a certain number of years for the earlier work and Sony Legacy 
um, like 95 forward. And then Sony Legacy will get it all next year, except for like the soundtracks that go with WB. Okay. So do okay. you are you with Sony or is it Sony Legacy? I'm pretty sure it's Sony Legacy. I would have to. It's been so long since I've actually bought an actual CD or anything, but I'm pretty sure it's Sony Legacy. Okay. And do you like? Do you know if the Sony Legacy folks reach out to the fandom? Um, we don't really have contact with them. Um, sometimes the Michael Jackson estate does, from my knowledge, but I don't mm-hmm. think Sony does. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say that I think that he's on regular Sony. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I think, I mean, for us, and I mean, at least on our site, it's important to make the distinction because, you know, a lot of people get confused when they see things happening with Michael Jackson's estate. And because Sony's name is attached to it, they want to be like, oh, no, they're going to be just like WB and blah, blah, blah. But WB is about their money. And it's like, it's, it is what it is. But um, I know at least for the Sony Legacy folks... They do reach out to fandoms, whether it is helping to write articles or doing promos. So maybe it's just like a smaller team or a different team or something like that. But for me, I feel um, at least so far <laughs> encouraged by that. Well, that's good. It's it's you know, I've always wished that um, that there was a little bit more connection between the bigger fan organizations and influencers and the Michael Jackson estate and Sony. But again, there are so many that are very outspoken about being anti-estate, anti-Sony, that I kind of get why it's not like that. Yeah, and and especially tough because Prince has been an independent artist really since 96, and he's only used these big labels for distribution only. And Mm. it's helpful in that he can have more control, but it's not as helpful because that's the reason why he wasn't on the radio or why he wasn't so much in the public besides, you know, stuff like the Super Bowl and like... uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but he'd always say, well, they don't play me on the radio anymore because I don't play the game anymore. And because Um. of that, people, he fell out of people's consciousness, but he was able to name his own terms for the things that, you know, how he wanted to distribute his music in a very specific way. So it's a trade-off. I see. Yeah. Um, Okay, so organizing around initiatives. I I mean, I don't want to go too deep into like the controversy of stuff that has happened recently, but I I was really I really liked how people are like, okay, use this hashtag, here's a poster that we can all use. And it was just like really together. And do you have any like um insight into how how that got organized? Well, there are a number of fan accounts that um lead the way. Uh, I think really it's Twitter is very big on this because this is where you can get the hashtags to trend and you can get all the different information that you need. People make threads of information for us fans to refer back to. So that's very, very powerful. Um, Really, again, it's Twitter. Twitter and then just having a large enough fandom to share the news. Right, yes. I think there are a lot of people that uh, are very, very into... Well, at, at least in the MJ fandom, very um, into making sure that the haters and the, those that are misinformed get informed. <laughs> so Michael Jackson fans are very ruthless in that way. Like, we'll <laughs> go on and we'll fight. There'll be like thousands of people in the comment section, you know, attacking whoever is a naysayer or speaks um, ignorantly about something that, you know, that's Michael Jackson related. And we'll try to educate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's powerful. Um and I don't know, uh, you know, if you wanted me to mention accounts or just you just wanted general. Just generally, you know, okay. because, yeah, that's hmm. 
that happens on a smaller scale whenever we didn't have too many like controversies coming up. Uh, There's like an article about a song from the Batman soundtrack that Prince did. Um, And it was kind of related to a younger lady that Prince was dating at the time. And she she felt a type of way when she found out about that and because of some things that had happened to her in her life. And when that came out and she wrote the article, there was a contingent of Prince fans that really went on went in on her and she's like, it was consensual, she was older later and he didn't do anything until she was old enough. And same thing with um Prince's first wife, Maite, because he met her when she was sixteen and oh. they kind of hooked up. Not they did not hook up. But she did. <laughs> she did move to you know Minneapolis and was supporting him, and she, he became her legal guardian. And then she came of age, and a couple of years later, they uh, started dating. And it was just the oh. to to know about that. It's just like uh, we don't know that it was. It was just a lot of defensive prints, basically. And people tend to you know educate that- about that. Sorry, to, I don't want to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Did she write a book? Yes, she did. Him? Yes, and okay. that was probably one of the the biggest Prince fan controversies that came out because nobody had really heard from her since they got divorced, and there have been so many rumors about their marriage and their kids um, since then. And she addressed a lot of what had been talked about in the book. But if you don't really believe her and you're the type to be like, oh, well, why is she writing it now? Or it's not her story to tell and like all that type of stuff. It's just like, it's a perspective of her life as she saw it. You don't have to believe it. That's her story. It contributes to the legacy um, because, you know, people like to kind of hold Prince up as his perfect being. And if anyone kind of shows parts of his humanity and then they get offended by that, which I always feel is interesting because... Like my my prince's appeal to me is that he was so human and not perfect, because like he was able to accomplish so much despite having all this stuff going on with him and around him and through his upbringing. It's um, allowing him to be a whole person is important to me. But right, um, right. but even like all these people who are writing books or like the famous Prince associates having Twitter accounts and engaging with fans. And it's there's a lot of information that has come out about Prince after he passed because a lot of people were afraid to talk before he passed because he'd like put a stop to it (laughs) so it's it's we're learning a lot more about him now and some people are dealing with it well and some people aren't and just kind of walling off to protect their own um view of him but i'm always like whoever's talking about their time with prince that's their story from their perspective we can't you know tell them how to feel about their own experience just either take or leave it and again at the end of the day it's none of our business anyway thank you for sharing (laughs) you know right right (laughs) yeah um, so what are your top three things that have come out from the Michael estate since he passed? Um, so, well, right off the bat, I can think of, I love the Michael Jackson one Cirque du Soleil show. Uh, that's a permanent show that's in Las Vegas. And that I think really, really embodies the, uh, not only the onstage persona, the kind of Michael Jackson that we all know, but just also um, who he was as a human being. It it kind of uh, spotlights his humanitarianism and his relationships with friends and family. And I think that that's... And also with the paparazzi, that's another thing. But, um, so I think that was awesome. Uh, then I also really enjoyed the two Spike Lee documentaries. One was called Bad 25 and one was... Um, 
I forgot what the name was, the exact name, but I think it's M- Michael Jackson's Journey from Motown to Off the Wall. And um, that was really good. It gave a lot of insight into his creative process for both of those albums. And then lastly, the Off the Wall exhibition. Um, so I don't know if this is well known outside of the Michael Jackson fan community, but there is um, currently a touring exhibition around different museums in Europe. And I actually went, uh, I visited last last January, actually a year ago in Paris. And it basically features a lot of Michael Jackson's work, like uh, whether it's album covers or some of the memorabilia from the the thriller era in the 80s, um, his photo with E.T., some of his music, um, some fan videos, they're all kind of displayed as art. And I find that um, fascinating. And I really loved that Michael Jackson was being recognized for his artistry because um, it's not often that that happens. That is really cool. Um, I believe we had... Um I think it was a My Name is Prince exhibition that toured Europe, which was um, some artifacts from Paisley Park that they toured um, over there, uh, which I guess might be a little bit similar. But we haven't had any deeper documentaries yet. There's supposed to be one coming to Netflix. Oh, wow. Um, a multi-part one there. but And then, of course, you have like the reels documentaries that are just like basically gossip right? right. <laughs> um, but my mom's always calling me she's like they got a prince I'm like don't watch that just read this book instead <laughs> and then of course we had his biography which some people were upset about some weren't I'm, I was kind of mm, okay about it because he only wrote like a small section of it because he started writing it in March 2016 of course he couldn't get too much done there or February March their time and he only had a couple of pages in there. And most of the book is the introduction by the author just talking about conversations that he had and then the rest of his pictures. So we haven't had like from a, a just Prince only perspective too much besides, you know, of course, we have Paisley Park as a museum. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's still like, oh, oh, we have a couple of websites as well. We have, um, of course, Prince dot com that they have added a lot of historical information about his albums um, and different things like that. But not not too many things. We, a Cirque show would be amazing, though, though, as long as they covered, you know, not just 80 songs. <laughs> right, <laughs> so I'm like, exactly. people know what Cream is. People know what Diamonds and Pearls is. There's stuff that's happening. But because um, I there's an album, my, one of my favorite albums called The Rainbow Children by Prince. And I was like, it would be so cool if we could get like an Alvin Ailey production to put this on as an album. But dreams. Um, <laughs> one day, by the way, I wanted to tell you, I love Diamonds and Pearls. That's oh, like my favorite Prince song. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We should talk because Randall are... By the way, people who are listening, we have a friend, Randall, in common. Um, I actually sat Randall down in my office and gave him like a six-hour Prince education <laughs> once with, like <laughs> music videos and, and like, here's this interview you should watch. Anyway, um, he really likes the Batman album, and I found like a lot of Michael Jackson deeper fans, they like that album. I don't know if it's ah. the sound or not, but yeah. Um, I'll drop that down and take a look later. Yeah. But uh, a question I have for you because I I've, I haven't what happened with Neverland? So Neverland is you know Neverland was pretty much ransacked and you know Michael Jackson didn't live there in his later years. Um, so he had moved out, but uh, now it's on the market actually, and the estate 
um, you know, I've gone to some events and I've gone to actually a Q&A with the estate. And when they were asked about Neverland, um, they said that it's in a very hard to reach area, secluded area. We could never turn it into like, um, like, I guess, a Graceland or a Paisley Park kind of place because the community wouldn't allow it. Supposedly, mm-hmm. they'd be against it. So Neverland is on the market. I have no idea. Hopefully, some really rich fan buys it and changes that around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know what we would do if we lost Paisley Park. I don't even want to think about it. I'm like, that's he lived there till the end. So much history happened there. I don't think now, we would let it that, go. Is it fully open? Have you yeah. Been? Yeah, yeah. I've been several times. So, oh, that's, I should have mentioned. One cool thing that the state or Paisley Park has done, we have celebrations every year. So um, at, before they were around the time that he passed. Oh, I'm going to ask you about that, too. But what happens is they have panels there of people who work for them, for him, whether they're engineers or stylists or past band members. There's a musical um, concert every night. So it might have like the Revolution or NPG or um, some related band. I think the first year they also in- included... Um, George Clinton in Parliament Funkadelic because they had a lot of collaborations. They recorded an album at Paisley Park at one point. Wow, okay. And so we have them every year April in April around the time of his um, passing because he once said, don't celebrate my birthday, celebrate the day I die. And so, and that's also a Jehovah Witness type thing. So oh, we have that in common as well. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they, this year they're moving it to June. Some people are upset about that. Um, some people aren't. Some people feel like it should have always been around his birthday. For me, I, I prefer April because my birthday is April 22nd, which is the day after Prince passed. And I'm like, since you ruined my birthday, I'm just going to, you know, go to your house and then be sad. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and it was cool for me because like, especially that first year when you're surrounded by people who get it. And they've made the investment to be there. And so it's just like this bubble of not hate. It was crazy. Like people would hand strangers their credit cards to buy them merch while they went to the bathroom. It was like that kind of level of relating with each other and love. And it was amazing. And then um, I'm not sure what it'll be like. Every year it gets a little less emotional because, you know, we're we're starting to heal. But uh, since we have new... um, management of Paisley Park because before Graceland had it and now the family runs it it'll be interesting to see what that celebration will look like wow that sounds fun I would love to have like one of those um like any of those types of events it sounds really nice yeah it's it's expensive and that's part of the reason why um I think about the ages of people who can participate in Prince things because um even even so because people are like well Prince only had $25 tickets at his forum run. I'm like, but my last ticket to a Prince concert in 2016 was $345 and I wasn't even close to the stage. So (laughs) it's kind of like there's, there's a barrier of entry depending on how you're engaging. Like the music wasn't expensive if you bought an album, but sometimes even in those concerts where it was $25 a ticket, the ones right off the stage were not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, some of them were like a more like a thousand. You had to get two of them and they still talk about, well, Princeton drink. I'm like, but in some of his concerts, depending on the package you got, you got two free drinks and they weren't Pepsi. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of that because since we have so many new people coming into the fandom, there's a lot of catching up to do about what what was really going on in, in real time. Um, 
because a lot of it isn't documented unless you like go read the org of them talking about getting tickets in real time or how oh, oh Prince really effed us over because he did this, this that and the other like you'll see someone totally for a year talking horribly about Prince in real time but it post duck out there I call it duck out I don't like to say you know dying um, right. post duck out they're like the biggest fan so it's like yeah. it's how you you know how you're dealing with the grief <clears throat> because I'm sure it's like a really big thing you know where you can critique him in real time, especially since he saw it. And sometimes he would adjust and sometimes not. And then afterwards to be like, wow, did I take him for granted? Like, I should have listened to him more. I should have bought more albums. I should have supported him more. And now it's too late. And I, I feel like a lot of our fandom has a lot of that going on. Right, right. Yeah, I, um, wow, that's interesting. Um... Okay, so from the fan base, what are the top three things that have come out of in support of Michael? Uh, that's a hard one. Um, I, from the fan base, hmm, I would have to say um, they all revolve around advocating for Michael's legacy and his name. So um, there have been a lot of like fan-made documentaries on YouTube. There's one um, that in particular I could just say stands out as the um, Square One documentary. And, you know, I hate to talk about, I don't like to go into allegations or anything, so I won't go too deep in, but um, this addresses the um, controversies that surrounded the first time Michael Jackson was accused of wrongdoing. And this really goes in deep, and it's it's really interesting to see how... Um, and this is, it's funny, because the guy, that, the, the gentleman that made it, he actually did not, he wasn't a fan. He was just a casual fan that, you know, he believed some some pretty bad things about Michael. And then he looked deeper and he was like, oh, people need to know that this wasn't true. So he made this documentary and um, it's it's had like these premieres in different countries around the world. And Michael Jackson's nephew came on to the project and they've been kind of spreading the word. So to me, that's been the best thing that's come out. Um, from the fan base, um, that Square One documentary and just anything that's really like promoting Michael's legacy and trying to educate people about um, those those allegations because they really did do a number on um, tarnishing his his name for so many years. Mm, yeah. Um, but but music wise, honestly, there hasn't been much. I don't know. Did has the Prince fan base come out with anything on their own? Like, because I don't think we have as MJ fans. Um. A couple things. We had some fans in Europe um, because the the rights to the Sign of the Times movie um, is owned by a smaller company and not necessarily the estate. And so they put out a DVD set or Blu-ray set of that with um, interviews with folks as well. Oh, and then okay. I don't know if it counts as fandom, but we have the PRN Alumni Association who are people who used to work for Prince and they would go... Um, write articles about people about their time and they'd host um, like fundraising galas to raise money for either paying for alumni um, like someone gets sick their medical bills or because Prince used to do that or giving money away to music programs and things like that Um, and then we have uh, let me think it's it's smaller scale because like um, people started podcasting a lot of those YouTube channels a lot of those um, but as far as like oh and symposiums that has popped up a lot after mm. Prince passed through we had the Salford conference over in 
England, I think. Birmingham. I'm sorry. Sorry. I know you guys are listening. I apologize. Over across the pond <laughs> okay. with Dr. Kirstie Faircloud. Faircloud. One of my favorite resources, though, is PrinceFault.com. That was around when Prince was still here and had a ton of information about Prince's discography. Like, imagine contextual information about each song as well as liner notes, who played on it. Um, how many versions, where did the versions turn up, like thousands of songs, music videos, all kinds of stuff. I go there several times a week. We also have folks like Dwayne Tudal, who've written books um, kind of on those same topics. He's done one for Purple Rain Studio Sessions, 83, 85. And then next year, he's coming out with one for um, 86 and 87, which will cover Parade and Under the Cherry Moon and Silent Times, like all the movies and the protege acts around that time. And then we have, um, oh, folks like D'Angelo Duff, and they do symposiums around albums. So she's done Love Sexy and Silent Times and did Batman last year at Spelman College, which is really cool. I got to participate in that one as a panelist. And then this year, she's marking the 40th and 30th anniversaries of Dirty Mind and Graffiti Bridge at NYU. All of this is really opened up because people are able to talk more as far as like the associates and then the primary resources have been made available for people to go in and just document Prince's work in a different way. But don't you guys, because I, I remember I was looking in Atlanta or maybe uh, our friend Randall mentioned it, the the guy who does studio or engineering micro things. Oh, well, I'm not really, I mean, I've gone to that. There's um. I yeah I know exactly what you're talking about. It's um in the studio with MJ. Mm-hmm. That that was an engineer that he's kind of um, created this. Um, I don't know if it's it's not really like a convention. How would I say it's more of like a seminar about some of the things the insider things that he knows about the tracks. Um, so that's kind of cool. But I'm not really somebody that's that's um enjoys that as much okay. and i don't i don't know if i count that as part of the fan base because that he's like well i don't know i guess he would be but he's not directly connected to the estate and he's not necessarily from the community he's like more of a standalone right figure. right <laughs> that's kind of how i think of pr and alumni it's like they have connects but it's not like sponsored by per se right right yeah yeah um i'm trying to think of what else Oh, oh, and you guys, I think I was looking up, um, there's a Michael Jackson journal, or Journal of Michael Jackson Studies or something I saw one day. Oh, okay, yes, there are some of those. Randall has tried to get me to listen to <laughs> some of those. Um, there are have been some, I, I don't know if it was like a fan or... It might have been a fan um, that created like an online course, like mm. Michael Jackson Studies. Uh, so that's pretty cool. You know, now I'm realizing as we're talking that I think uh, when I started my YouTube channel, I told myself that I wouldn't dive too much into the other fan um, like YouTube channels or other accounts too heavy because I didn't want to be influenced. Right. So maybe that's why I'm like kind of drawing a blank. But now it's all coming back to me. No, I understand that because it's, it's like that with podcasts, too, because it's like I don't want to create something based on a response to someone else's podcast it's like i want to have like independent thoughts sometimes though sometimes i do create a thought uh, a podcast based on whatever's happening in the fandom like can we all come down okay let's let's talk about this in depth because there's nuance here that needs to be discussed (laughs) um okay so what do you wish you could have from the michael jackson estate i wish that we could have annual fan conventions like 
I have wanted this since the beginning. Like one of the, I mean, this is even before Michael Jackson passed away. I've wanted this. Like growing up and like being a Michael Jackson fan, I always felt like it was a very personal thing. And you you had mentioned that earlier too about you know being a Prince fan. It's a very personal thing. But like when you go out and you meet other fans. To me, it's just such a strong connection. I've met so many fans, and most of them have been from online, um, that have become like the best of friends today. Like most of my circle are MJ fans, and we rarely even, it's funny because we get together and we don't often talk about Michael, but we just have that strong connection. And, you know, Michael gave me a, a very strong, strong sense of community when I didn't really have similar interests to other kids my age, or um, I felt sometimes that I couldn't relate to some of the people in my high school or in my middle school. I, I found friendships in the MJ fan community. So I think that if we had conventions, you know, there's no telling what the fandom could produce. If we all like bonded together and actually had these in real life friendships and bonds, I think that would be very powerful. And because, um, you know, Michael has brought people together for so long. So I think that would be a great way to continue his legacy. So I hope they want to, you know, I hope they do something like this, even if it's in two, 2029 for the 20th year of his passing. Hopefully, you know, hopefully I'm still around and I could attend something like that because I feel like that would be awesome. Mm, yeah, I mean, like to go back to I mentioned about our celebrations, like Prince had them um, also back in the early 2000s, but he stopped having them. <laughs> but that that's something that's really cool about these as well, because, you know, I was talking about how I was a lone person where it was like Tumblr, purple Tumblr. Um, <laughs> I had created a smaller group of folks that were on purple Tumblr and like, hey, let's just get together and talk about Prince. And then we we had tournaments for the best Prince album. We listened to his entire discography one by one and discussed each one. We had tournaments on like best style or just different ways to look at his career. Because my big thing is like, I, if we're going to be talking about Prince, then we should be educated and, you know, have an educated opinion when we're speaking of him. Right. And then we, we did the, um, my podcast and it was initially all of us kind of coming together to be like, okay, let's take some of the conversations that we have in our group and, you know, have it with everybody. And, um, the first, I had never met any of those people ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the first time I met one of them, Stephanie, like from our Tumblr group, I was like, Hey, are you, cause they had a, a tribute for Prince, uh, October of the year he ducked out and I was like hey who's going to this and everyone's like I don't know and I was like well I bought a ticket and then Stephanie was like oh, okay I guess I'll come too and we never met we shared an Airbnb Airbnb house <laughs> and, and we're like all of us are like still talk every day for the past like four years now oh wow okay. and um, awesome. yeah and then we've, we've all been to celebration together for most of us anyway we're still trying to get one to make it with us um, and then but at celebration what's really interesting is that there's folks who go to the actual events and then there are folks who are just in Minneapolis going to all the associated parties because a lot of people like the fan groups have their parties where they'll um, bring in either people like other alumni or it's just like a DJ party and it's just like a whole several days of parties and learning about Prince. And right, people okay. will come from around the world for that. Um, stay for a while. Meet, like you said, people they've only seen online and they've known for like 20 and 30 years. It's crazy, the community that um, comes together for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I um, hopefully, I mean, that even sounds fun. I mean, it sounds like I'd learn a lot more about Prince because I'm more of a casual fan. You know, I've, I've had 
at the, you know, some a couple greatest hits compilations. But it sounds like going to those events would create, you know, take a casual fan to, you know, a diehard fan. That yeah. Cool. As long as it's affordable. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like even from the general general admissions, like 500 bucks for the official one. Oh and then VIP is like 10, 1050. <gasps> yeah. Ooh. It's a lot. But then you're thinking about what you're paying for. It's like uh, four concerts. Um like five hours worth of programming. Um, do, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, do, so this is done by his estate, which is, is it still his family or is, has this been changed? Um, it's done by Paisley Park because that's another thing that gets confusing among even our fandom. It's the estate is his, um, it's not his family. It's a bank still. They haven't turned it over because they're still oh. working out um, how much he's worth. Um, then there's the music side, which is, um, authorized, they they approve people to do the music side, but um, and of course they own the music and they're licensing it out to people. I see. And then there's Paisley Park, which is separate from the estate. That's an institution within itself, um, and they have their own programming. They're they're supported by the estate, but not. I don't feel like there's legal connection there. And then, of course, the music side administered through universal publishing but it's not necessarily the estate because you'll see people complain about the estate is taking you down like the estate's not taking you down that's the publishing group taking you down and it's their job to protect their (laughs) intellectual property like we can get mad but they're just doing their job and we'd all be canceled if prince was still here because he he would block he would suspend our accounts and two seconds after we posted something because he was on the (laughs) internet all the time so um it's 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 a lot of people you know just being hurt that he's gone and they're just kind of looking for someone to blame and and we're still in that mode of grief (laughs) as a fandom um okay so speaking of that as uh being a part of a fandom of someone who's beloved around the world um and you lost mj before you lost prince what are what's some advice that you would give our fandom as we kind of navigate this world without our prince well, I would say um, the biggest thing from that I can speak from experience about and what I've noticed within myself is I've come to the conclusion that it's so important to be appreciative for what um, Michael Jackson and Prince, what they left us with. Because I think that as a fandom or as fandoms, we tend to want more, right? Because there's always a the hope that like if they had lived for 20, 30, 40 more years that perhaps we would have gotten more projects, more music, more, 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 right? But there's not that guarantee. And um, I was talking to another fan uh, not too long ago, and I was saying, you know, a lot of people complain about what's been done or the projects that have come out and they want more music. But I'm like, you know, Michael was only putting out albums every four years. And in his later years, you know, he had children and he had a lot of different things that he was getting into movies. And I think that um, we just have to be appreciative. So I think I always say, like, when you're looking for more, go back, you know, go back to the very beginning, go back to if you can find some demos from their early, earlier years or interviews. And it's awesome because these these two artists are people that left us with a lot of a lot of rich history and a lot that we can rediscover. And that's the magic of Prince and above Michael Jackson, because they have so much to that they that they left us with. And I think um, the main thing, the main theme, I think, is just to have that appreciation. 
Amen. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's like um, everything parallels so well. Because I, I say exactly the same thing because people are like, well, especially since the bootleg market is so huge with the print stuff of oh, people, yeah. you know, having the demos or rehearsals or tapes of concerts that have never been released. And everyone's thinking, you know, why don't they release concerts? Why don't they release all this other stuff that we have in boot form and everything like that? But I'm like, OK, well, we have the originals that came right. out not too long ago, which is a lot of stuff. We didn't have all of that. We had maybe some of it in boot form. Um, they had piano and a microphone, 1983 from a couple years ago, which some of us who collect also had. <laughs> but I'm like, my rule as a, a bootleg person is if a official version comes out, I'm going to buy it. Because A, it's going to be better quality. B, it supports the artist. And really a and b <laughs> so right, it's yeah. like let's just support and then people are like well we don't have to support everything they do or because you know then they'll just keep doing stuff that we don't want because you know it's they see that it works but then it's like well if we stop supporting what they do then money yes it does talk and so how do we make sure that they continue to make things because if the money says we're not interested then they won't continue to make things so yeah. um yep it's, I agree. It's complicated, but um, I, I definitely agree. This, I mean, at least on the Prince side, he put out over 40 albums, and that's just under his own name. He put out albums under his protégés. He wrote for other people, and I'm like, let's just not... I'm, I'm happy for whatever comes out, but I'm also ecstatic for what he gave us himself. Yeah, um, But I think it's easier for me to say that because I also have terabytes worth of unreleased stuff. <laughs> Oh yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, I can understand. Yeah, it's just it's just hard because I I mean I fall into that too where I'm like oh man I wish I had a new NJ project or something to look forward to but I'm like all right MJ fangirl just take out a Jackson Five album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yell about Twitter about the gold experience as I've been doing for the last two weeks. But um. <laughs> okay, so where can they find you on the internet? So um, you can find me most often on my YouTube channel, which is called MJ Fangirl TV. And I also am active most on Instagram, sometimes on Twitter and also on Facebook at MJ Fangirl blog. That's my at. Uh, and then I have my blog. So if you ever want to look back at some of my old entries, um, I've been writing there since 2011, a few times a year, some big entries. Um, that's MJFangirl.com. Awesome. And my name, once again, is Darling Nisi. You can find me on Twitter at Darling Nisi, as well as on Instagram. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I have a website now, guys. I wasn't going to talk about it, but it's there. It's darlingnisi.net, where you can go and see some of the other projects I've worked on for Prince Fandom. And I'm going to start pulling my threads from Twitter, since I got those strikes, <laughs> and putting it in a more stable place where it won't go away. But, um... Happy 2020, everyone. Welcome to New Year. Happy Black History Month. And we'll see you next time. Bye.